Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Well, happy Thanksgiving to all of you this morning. I was reading an article here recently, and it said that adults who frequently feel grateful have more energy, more optimism, more social connections, more happiness than those who do not. And they're also less likely to be depressed, envious, greedy, and they're less likely to suffer addictions like alcoholism. They earn more money, they sleep more soundly, exercise more regularly, and have a greater resistance to viral infections. They don't get sick as often. So being thankful, being grateful actually keeps you feeling better. And they also say that it also has similar benefits in children. These studies show that kids who feel and act grateful tend to be less materialistic. They get better grades. They set higher goals. They complain of fewer headaches and stomach aches. And they feel more satisfied with their friends, families, and schools than those who don't. I would say this, that it's good to be grateful why don't you write that down this morning? It's not on your order of, of service, but, but even science tells us that it's good to be grateful. And we're entering into a season where we are focusing on the greatness of being grateful. And so this morning, I certainly hope that you will spend the next several days thinking not about what you don't have, thinking not about what makes you upset and angry, but rather thinking about what you are thankful for, grateful for. Oh, friends, we have... Uh, entered into a season where you start looking back over the year and, and maybe over the, the 2019, maybe you've even lost someone that you love dearly. Well, I, I would challenge you to take that feeling of loss and to transform it into a feeling of gratefulness. Aren't you grateful for those people that have come into your life, even if it was for a brief time, and yet shaped you, molded you, and helped you become the person that you are today? Well, friends, I, I hope that you spend your time counting your blessings instead of counting your burdens. We live in a society that seems to focus holistically, totally on the burdens that we carry instead of the blessings that God has given to us. Chances are you've never heard of a gentleman by the name of Johnson Oatman Jr. Anybody know Johnson Oatman Jr.? Probably not. But I, I promise you this, you know of Johnson Oatman Jr.'s works. You know of, in particularly, one of his songs. L listen to these lyrics. When upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged thinking that all is lost, count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done." Count your many blessings, name them one by one. Count your many blessings, see what God hath done. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, 
and it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. Oh, friends, maybe you are in a season of despair. Maybe you're in a season of discouragement. Perhaps you're in a a season of depression. Oh, Lord, I have been there myself. I would challenge you to do this. Instead of embracing those feelings, spend some time with a journal, a pen, and a piece of paper. And instead of focusing on those burdens, think of life's blessings. Think of what the Lord has given to you. Think of all the things where the Lord doesn't just give you what you need, but the Lord has even given to you what you want. We had a lady down front who said the things that she is most thankful for today is salvation. Brothers and sisters, I would say this. If you don't even have a roof over your head or food in your belly, but if you're saved, then you've got enough. You've got enough. God has given you far more than you deserve or than I deserve by just allowing us to be saved. Yet God gives us so much more than our salvation, doesn't he? We have clothes. We have cars. We are able to communicate with one another. We have a roof over our head. And our stomach doesn't often rumble much. You have been afforded so many blessings. This morning, I want you to answer this question on your order of worship, your sermon outline. Are you grumbling or are you grateful? Are you grumbling or are you grateful? I tell you, one of the most thankful people that I've ever had uh, the contact, had the, the pleasure of having contact with was back in 2009. I was in Yantai, China. And I went to church on a Sunday morning. And it was packed, wall to wall. People stacked on top of people. And boy, did they ever sing. And they read their scripture. And they preached their hearts out. And then after that, they still congregated together. They fellowshiped with one another. And I asked one of the missionaries that we were with, I said, why in the world, uh, what, what drives this? Why are they so thankful you can feel this energy? And he said, well, the reason that they're so thankful is because they have so little. Now let that sink in for just one moment. Perhaps we are not as grateful as we should be. Perhaps we're not as thankful as we should be, not because of our little, but because of our plenty, Perhaps God needs to remove from some of us the wealth and the materialism that we have so that we can focus so much more on what he has given to us spiritually. Oh, God has given us so much. We have really nothing to be grumbling about. We have nothing to be ungrateful for because God has been gracious Brothers and sisters, if you will, you can open up your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. I'm reading this morning from the NIV, the New International Version. Uh, If you will, you can follow along with me. These are Paul's words. Paul is speaking to the Colossian church, the church of Colossae, and he is encouraging them to be thankful, to be grateful, and to be forgiving. How many in in here, I'm just curious, is there anybody in here who has never made a mistake? Anybody? Has anyone never made an error? Anybody at all? Where's Brad? Is he here? Oh my goodness, Brad, good deal. He didn't raise his hand, by the way. That's that's good. That's right. I don't know if you know this. I'm going to clue you in. There is not one single person in this room, even me, who's never made a mistake. Oh, we we make mistakes and errors all the time. 
And yet, Paul tells us that we ought to bear with one another, forgiving one another. I I will tell you this, the person who forgives has the feeling of gratefulness, truly. And the person that's been forgiven has an even greater sense of gratefulness. So be forgivers. So let's jump into God's word. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. Listen to what he tells us that we ought to dress like. We ought to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. We should be patient. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And then what does he say? Let's say it out loud. And be thankful. Very good. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom and as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, doing what? Giving thanks to God the Father through him. Giving thanks Two separate times, three if you want to count songs, Paul encourages the church at Colossae to be thankful. To be thankful in not only words, but to also be thankful in your songs. Give thanks when you pray. We are to be a thankful people. In a sense, gratitude is an an expression of modesty. In Hebrew, the word for gratitude is yadah. You could spell it Y-A-W-D-A-H if you want to spell it phonetically. Yada. It's the word, it's the same word for confession. To offer thanks is a confession of dependence. It's an acknowledgement that others, in particular God, has the power to benefit you, to reward you, and to bless you. To admit that your life is better because of God. And that frame of mind is indispensable in our society today. I want you to do an exercise for me very briefly. Can you think of one person in your life who has benefited your life? Can you think of one person, uh, perhaps it's a parent, maybe a father or a mother, maybe it's a sibling, a brother or a sister, maybe it's a Sunday school teacher from years ago. Do you remember the person who led you to Jesus Christ? Do you remember that person who set an example for you and how they spoke and how they acted and how they treated other people? And you began to wonder to yourself, my goodness, if that's what Jesus is about, I want to be like that person. Well, friends, I've got lots of folks in my life that I can remember back to and be thankful for. I had a Sunday school teacher, a guy by the name of John Hibbard. I can still remember him vividly teaching a boys group, a a group of guys every single Sunday morning. At first, I just thought John was one of the coolest guys I'd ever been around. He's a marketing genius there in Montgomery. He he did very well for himself and his wife and his children. And at first, I thought, I want to be like John because of all the the things that he has. But then after I got to know John, I realized I want to be like John because John is like Jesus. I had youth pastors, guys like Doug Fulton 
guys like Troy Amster, who I thought were just amazing guys until I really got to know them and realized how much they loved Jesus. And I wanted to be like them. I had a pastor by the name of Jay Wolf who I just marveled at. I thought, man, I want to be like that guy. I want to be the same kind of pastor that Jay Wolf is until I really got to know Jay Wolf and I realized, you know what? I don't want to be the same kind of pastor Jay is. I want to be like Jay because Jay reminds me of Jesus. That's why my son carries the name Jay. By the way, I was a student pastor uh, for a number of years as well. And there was a kid that I just loved. He was phenomenal. His name was Jack Poundstone. And I got to know Jack over the years. I got to know him when he was in sixth grade and how he went all the way through my student ministry. And the more I got to know Jack, the more I loved Jack. He was an athlete. He was a quarterback on his football team. He played basketball and baseball. And I said, my goodness, I, I, if, I have a, if I have a son, I want to name him Jack because I want him to be like Jack Poundstone. Not because Jack is so great, but because Jack reminded me of Jesus. Oh, friends, we have lots of examples. Think about those people that you should be thankful for today. Now, this morning, I do want to dive in to this scripture. Why should we be thankful? After all, this is a recipe like cracking an egg and making a batch of brownies. We can just crack these eggs and mix them all together. And hopefully at the end of the, today's message, you'll have a recipe for thankfulness. Well, the reason why we should be thankful is because we've been chosen. We've been chosen. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 12, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Now, if it's one thing the Davidsons know a little bit about, it's about choosing. Uh, some five to six years ago, my wife and I had the distinct opportunity to choose someone. Oh, it's a horrible man-made system, to be honest with you, adoption. It's tough. For those of you that have been through the adoption process, you know what I'm talking about. I can remember as we were preparing ourselves to adopt Jet, uh, our our uh, uh, lifeline, uh, which was the agency that we used, used, they gave us a form, and it was called a child desired form. <laughs> and on that child desi desired form, they gave two to three pages of ailments, sicknesses, and disease that that they thought our family could handle. And we would go down that list of sicknesses and diseases and illnesses. And we began to check boxes of, well, good goodness, okay, I, I think we can handle this. And I think we can handle that. And, and it's a terrible thing, to be honest with you, to have to go through. Because if you have your children biologically, you just take them as God gave you. <laughs> but, but this is not how God set it up. This is how men set it up. And so we began to fill out these forms, and it was terribly difficult, terribly, terribly difficult. And then Angela and I went through the process and talking over uh, all of these different issues. And then we finally got to the end of it, and we began the long wait of waiting for papers to be sent to us from the Chinese government, from these adoption agencies and orphanages, giving us a list of children that we could choose from. And so we waited and we waited, and we waited, and we got a form. We opened it up, and we pulled it out, and there is this little boy, a little picture about that big, and it was on a stack of papers, and it was Jet. 
And Angela and I looked at that picture and we fell in love. And I looked at that picture and I said, that is my son. I'm going to choose him. Now, what's really funny, Angela had a, a slightly different reaction. She began to cry. Not, not because she was upset about adopting Jet, but Angela began to think about all the other millions of children that needed to be adopted. And she said, oh, but, but there's all these other children that, that need a family, that need to be loved, that, that need a father, that need a mother. And yet we chose Jet. And it broke her heart that in choosing one, we were leaving millions of others stranded, orphaned, waiting for someone to come and collect them. Well, friends, let me tell you, it was heart-wrenching, and yet it was great at the same time to, to be able to look at those papers, to be able to look at that picture without ever meeting Jet, without knowing anything about him, without understanding his history or anything, and yet we were able to say collectively, that is going to be our child. And then we went over to China and we picked him up and we brought him back and he's the only Chinese kid in this church. By the way, if you're visiting with us today and you think, well, goodness, I wonder how I can pick this kid out of a crowd. Well, he's pretty easy to pick out of a crowd. But we chose him. Now, bring it home for you today. This is the best news ever. You're going to love this. Do you know that God has chosen you? God looked at you, looked at your story, looked at your past, looked at all your history, looked at all of your flaws, looked at how many times you failed and said, that is my son, that is my daughter. God, at great sacrifice, chose you to be his child. Angela and I, as we've gotten to know Jet over these years, we have fallen in love with him. We didn't know him at first, but boy, we know him now. And we love him. We love him more today than the day that we first met him and picked him up. And friends, let me tell you, God loves you more today than even yesterday. It's like God's love just continues to grow for you. You can't ever run out of God's love. God is never going to quit loving you. Now, I'll be honest with you, Jet is a little bit of a mess. He is. He's a little bit of a mess. But you know what? There's nothing that Jet could ever do that would ever stop me from loving him. Much in the same way that when God chose you, there's nothing that you can do that would ever stop God from loving you. Isn't that good news? I could just say amen and we could be done right now. Isn't that great? Aren't you thankful for that? That God chose you and he loves you. God chose you. He didn't choose us because of our merit. Fill in that blank, letter A. We did not earn God's love. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it's by grace that you've been saved through faith, and this is not of yourselves, but it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no man can boast. There is nothing that we did to earn God's love. God did it all for us on the cross through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He, we didn't earn God's love because of our actions, but let her be. Look at this. God chose us because of his mercy. He loved 
us. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I heard a pastor one time preach on that very verse, and he said, you know what? God didn't wait for us to get our act together. He didn't say that Christ died for us after we had life figured out, after we had the world by the, by the tail. No, no, no. He said that Christ died for us, that while we were yet sinners, we were dead. We were gone. We weren't even looking for God. And Jesus still died for us. He died for me and he died for you. Aren't you thankful for that today? So why should we be thankful? Well, we've been chosen, not because of what we've done, but because of his mercy. Look at Roman numeral two. We should be thankful, one, because we've been chosen, but two, we've been clothed. We've been clothed. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Friends, this morning, God removes the flesh that we have and replaces uh, what, what we lost with what is his, his spirit. I, I will tell you this, that it is absolutely impossible to show compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience if you've not experienced Jesus Christ. If you've never embraced Christ, then you cannot have all of these fruits of the Spirit. So what does it mean to be clothed? Look at letter A. One, it means to be exposed. To be clothed, you must first be exposed. When Paul tells us to clothe ourselves, it means that we must first disrobe. We have to take off what is worldly. We have to take off what is fleshly. We have to take off what is dead. And we expose ourselves to God. God sees us as we are, as we, not as we want people to think we are. God sees us as we are. He knows us inside and out. He knows every hair on our head. He knows our blood type. God knows the thoughts. Do you remember the stories of when Jesus was speaking to Pharisees? And there were verses that say, and Jesus knew their thoughts. Thoughts. He knows our inner monologue. He knows our hearts. He knows what motivates us. He knows all the dark areas of our life and he just switches the light on. He knows us. We expose ourselves to him. It means to be exposed. In 1 Corinthians 4, 5, it says, Therefore judge Nothing before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of men's hearts. So to being clothed, we have to disrobe. But then, two, it also means that we exchange. It means that we take what we had on and we therefore give that to God and say, Lord, take this and give me this. I exchange the sinful part of me for your sinless part of you. I, I will take what you have given to me and be thankful for that. No longer am I seen as a, a sinner in your eyes, but now I am seen as a son in your eyes and a daughter in your eyes. Oh, friends, we have been clothed. I think one of the more comical stories of the Bible 
is after Adam and Eve sinned in the fall, Genesis chapter 3. And it says that they were hiding in the garden. And they knew that they were hiding. God was looking for them. And God asked, why? Why are you hiding? And Adam said, it's because I'm naked. And, and so Adam and Eve, realizing they were naked, they had found fig leaves. And they had sewn them together to cover their nakedness. And God said, oh, friends, that is not going to work. You've chosen literally the worst thing possible to try to sew together and cover your nakedness. And, and to be honest with you, that's what we've been doing for, well, ever. We've been trying to clothe ourselves ever since the fall of man. And yet God says, no, you can't clothe yourselves. Let me clothe you. Let me take care of that need. And for, excuse me, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, listen to what Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a what? A new creation. A new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And Jesus says, listen, let's have a buyback program. You give me back what was bad and evil and fallen and fleshly and worldly, and I will take it from you and give you something new. It also means to follow his example. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 19, Jesus says these words, Come, follow me, and I will teach you how to fish for people. And when we are clothed like Christ, we follow Jesus. We have the countenance of Christ on our face. The words of Christ utter from our hearts and from our spirit and mind. Oh, friends, we look like Jesus. So why should we be thankful? Well, we should be thankful because Jesus has chosen us. We've been clothed. I heard an illustration the other day of a, of a man getting out of bed, and this was his prayer. He said, Dear God, so far I've done it all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent, and I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed, and from then on, I'm probably going to need a lot of help. That's me right there. I tell you, I've had that prayer many, many times. Clothe yourselves in Jesus. So we've been chosen. We've been clothed. And Roman numeral three is this. We should be thankful because we have companionship. We have a companion. Again, verse 13 through 15, bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you have with one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since members, since as members of one body, you were called to peace, and so be thankful. You know, I've noticed a few things over the years of being a pastor, and, and even being married. Those of you that are married certainly understand this, that companionship can sometimes bring conflict. Companionship will sometimes lead to small slights and toes being stepped on. And to maintain companionship, you have to move past petty arguments. Oh, my friends, I, I've had to do that many times in my life with my wife. My wife is always right. She's always right. 
And I've had to apologize many, many times over the years as I have been incorrect. But when you have companionship, whether it is in a marriage or a friendship or even in church, you're going to have small slights. You're going to step on each other's toes. And it's very important that when that happens, that we learn to forgive one another. We learn to forgive. We learn to understand that that person made a mistake. That person made an error. doesn't mean we should throw them away. It doesn't mean we should give up on them. It means that we should be thankful, one, that God has forgiven us, but then, two, we should take that forgiveness and offer it to someone else. We also must bear with each other's imperfections. Go a step further and forgive people because one day you're going to need the forgiveness yourself. Through forgiveness and patience, true companionship and unity can actually be achieved. It's hard to believe. I know. I am not perfect. I know. I'm just not. And neither are you. There's not one person in this room who is perfect, who has it all together, who's got it all figured out. We need each other's help. And we should be forgiving. Again, I had a pastor one time tell me, he said, Stuart, you should really focus on always being a graceful person. Always being a graceful person. Always be a forgiving person. Because one day, you yourself is going to need the grace that you've been giving out. One day you're going to need that forgiveness yourself. And friends, that same rule applies for you today. That you should lean and err on the side of grace and forgiveness because one day your imperfections are going to shine through and you're going to need the forgiveness and you're going to need the grace. Be graceful, be forgiving. Think about this first, companionship and thankfulness are closely linked. Our companionship is both vertical and horizontal. Aren't you thankful today that we have friends that exist on the horizontal plane of this world? We have friends like all these folks that are sitting on these pews. These are the people you get to walk your life with every single day. You are blessed because you have people that love you and care about you and care enough about you to walk with you in times of great darkness. But yet at the same time, maybe this morning you're thinking to yourself, well, maybe you're like Eeyore. You remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh? Nobody likes me. I don't have any friends. And maybe you feel like your tail has been nailed to your bottom. Well, let me just say this. If you have an Eeyore spirit here today, I will tell you this, that you may not feel loved by other people, but I'll tell you that God loves you and that God has died for you, sending his son Christ to show you how much he loves you. You may not feel that you have companionship on a horizontal plane, but I promise you this, that you have companionship on a vertical plane, that Jesus Christ loves you. In Ephesians chapter 4, Verses two through four, it says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. Be patient and bear with one another in love. So why should we be thankful? Well, we've been chosen 
We've been clothed. We have companionship. And lastly, Paul has set for us a course. We have a direction in life. In Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. And we use the word of Christ to teach, and we use the word of Christ to correct, and we use the word of Christ to help us to discover wisdom. Without God's word, we have no direction. Just yesterday, my family, we were heading back home from Birmingham. And my wife and I had driven up to Tuscaloosa to go to a football game, and we so enjoyed ourselves. It, it had been a, a pretty good while since I had been to that area of Alabama. And, and I tell you, one of the great marvels of technology is all of these great navigation systems where you just plug your phone in, you hit a button, and, and you literally tell it where you want it to go, and it just brings it up. Boom, there you go. And my wife will tell you that I am horrible with directions, terrible with directions. But I tell you what, with a navigation system, I'm a pro. I know exactly where I'm going. I, I'm so, I, and as we were driving yesterday, both to Tuscaloosa and then back to Birmingham and then back to South Alabama, I was so thankful that I had direction. Now I had direction for the day. I had direction for a few hours. But with God's word, I have direction forever. I have direction not just for a day. I have direction for my entire life. Oh, friends, God's word is always updating. Now, let me just share with you this. God's word never changes, but it's always new. Have you ever thought about that? God's word never changes, but it's always new. The other day, as we were driving, Angela was driving. I was sitting in the passenger seat. And she said, Stuart, we're, you know, it's saying that we're going to get to Montgomery at this time. Well, you, you need to refresh it so that it'll tell me what the traffic is like and give me an updated time. And I said, okay. And so I exited out of the program and I went back into the program and sure enough, it, it, it found the traffic and it updated that and it gave us an updated time on when we were going to arrive to Montgomery. Now, let me just share with you this. God's word never needs to be updated. It's always fresh. It's always new. It's always speaking something fresh into his people. And it'll always give you the right course of action. Uh, look at this. Uh, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, for the word of God is what? Let's say it. For the word of God is what? And active. It's alive and active. That means what you have in your lap, whether it's on a screen or whether you've got an actual paper book, that means that what you have in your lap is biological. It's alive. It's breathing. It's active. It's always informative. It's biological. For the Word of God is living and active. How many of you have pets? How many of you have pets? Are your pets living and active? Just curious. Of course they are. You go home and you feed your pet. Maybe you sit on the couch at night with your pet. Maybe you take your pet out for a walk. Maybe you take your pet to the vet. 
Maybe you take your pet on car trips and road trips and on airplanes and trains. Maybe, maybe you're one of these kind of weird people that don't ever like to be without their pet and you carry it around in a purse. Okay? It's weird, all right? We have any pet people. Now, your pet is living and active. And yet, if you were to go into some of our houses, guess where you're going to find our Bible? Up on a shelf, collecting dust. See, we tend to show more, we tend to show more activity towards our pets who are living and active than we do to our Bibles who are living and active. We, we take our pets with us, and yet we leave our Bible at home. We, we tend to feed our pets instead of our Bible never gets to feed us because it's somewhere else. We, we take our pets on a plane, train, automobile, and yet we oftentimes leave what's living and active, our Bible, at home. And we don't take it anywhere with us. Well, friend, let me tell you, the Bible is more important than your living and active pet. And yet, we tend to spend more time with our pets than we do our living and active Bible. Our Bible is biological. We should take it with us everywhere that we go. And do you know what? You're thinking to yourself, well, goodness, Stuart, I don't know. I can't really take God's word everywhere. I mean, I can't stuff my Bible. Friend, you've been given a brain. Spend some time memorizing God's word. And guess what? You can take God's word anywhere. You can take it anywhere. And do you know what? Sometimes you can lose a Bible just like you can lose an iPhone. But if you know God's word in your mind and your heart, you can't lose it. No one can take it from you. Memorize it. Study it. Allow it to dwell within you. Why is God's word special? It is biological. It's living and active. Letter B, it's also a blade. A blade. It's special. It's productive. The other day I was, uh, I was trying to open a box and we were at a, at a dinner table and I had this box. And have y'all, have y'all noticed the, the, these uh, packages, the packaging now? That, I mean, you literally have to get like a blowtorch and an atomic bomb to get it to come open. You know what I'm talking about? Well, I was sitting at the table and I was wrestling with it and I couldn't get it out. And this kid who was sitting around the table from me and he says, do you need a knife? And I'm like, no, man, I'm good. I don't need a knife. Of course I need a knife. Yes. Thank you. And so he pulls out from his pocket that pulls open this blade. And I, I thought he was like Crocodile Dundee, like here's a knife, you know. And, and so I took that knife and I just sliced right through it and it made my life so much easier. You know, uh, uh, when you have a knife, how many of you, by the way, have a pocket knife just in your pocket? Boy, y'all are prepared. Thank you. Y'all are prepared. It's always good to have a blade. You never know when you might need it. You never know when you might need it to help you with something in life, but you also never know when you might need it for protection. And the Bible is a protective device. It's a blade. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And lastly, it's a barrier. It's a barrier. It serves as a wall to sin, thoughts, and attitudes. And listen to what it says. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. Friend, are you thankful today for God's word? Here's the recipe for your thankfulness. Be thankful because God loves you, because God chose you. Be thankful because God has clothed you. He's made a great trade. You give him your worst 
and he gives you his best. We should be thankful because we have companionship on the vertical plane of human existence and on the heavenly vertical plane of God's existence. Friends, we have so much to be thankful for. And lastly, we have a course. God has given us a navigation system for our lives. Spend time with it. And I'll close with this. Friends, I pray that you will count your many blessings and name them what? One by one. Amen. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Father God, thank you for this wonderful day you've given to us. Lord, we have so much to be thankful for. Lord, today, I pray that as we enter into this Thanksgiving season, that we will spend more time being grateful than grumbling. That, Lord, we will do our best to be devoted instead of being discouraged. Lord, help us to find that silver lining, not because we're just positive people, but because Jesus is alive. And we should be so thankful for our salvation. Lord, bless this people today. I know we've got folks that are traveling, uh, school is out, and Father, I pray that you will protect them as they go and bring them back safely to us next Sunday. Lord Jesus, we pray all these things today in your name, amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube And at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.